Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. core classes we are talking about the fall and specifically today the results of the fall this session and the next two sessions after this one are all talking about different results that took place because of the fall of adam and eve and then consequently you and i also being born with a sinful nature it literally breaks everything in creation our relationship with god with one another and with creation itself so we're going to talk through each of those today we're going to talk about the fact that it breaks our relationship with god and what all does that mean and why? Because Adam sinned, it broke my relationship with God. That's a discussion we should also have. So the little section from the Membership Statement of Faith I'd like to hit before we jump in is section I, which is the fall and the effects of sin. Number two, it says this, Spiritual death, physical death, and the sinful nature entered the world through Adam's fall and are passed on to all humans. Every person is totally and morally depraved, spiritually dead and separated from God. Each person is hopelessly and helplessly lost without God's intervention. Some of the results of the fall. So if you're in your big book, we are in the section on creation and the fall. We're in session three. At the top, it should say the results of the fall. Everything is broken, exclamation point. So point number one is sin breaks our relationship with God. Through, though created in holiness, man chooses to sin and rebel against God. Adam and Eve rule and represent creation. Through their sin, all of creation is broken, cursed, and fallen. Death now reigns. Humanity's relationship with God and with one another is broken beyond human repair. Sin and suffering now taint and consume all of creation. That's the situation we're in since the fall. Death now reigns. And that's spiritually and physically. The Bible says in Genesis 3.19, as a result, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't physically die immediately. Now they did die spiritually immediately, but physically what it means is they went from being in a state where they could have potentially lived ongoingly to a spot now where their body slowly decays, slowly decomposes until it returns to dust. And you and I know what that feels like if you are in your late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and up. Like each day sometimes is a little bit harder. If you twist something, it takes a little bit longer to feel better. Uh, it's a bumpy road. It's a painful road to go from where you are back to dust. And that's part of the consequence of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, spiritual and eventually physical for each and every person. Let's talk about the imputation of sin or the passing on of the sinful nature. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 is a key theological verse when it comes to this discussion. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Well, what does that mean that all sinned? You weren't in the garden. I was not in the garden. I never tasted the fruit from that tree. All sinned. Romans 5.12. This context shows that Paul is not talking about actual sins that people commit every day in their lives. For the entire paragraph, Romans 5.12 through 5.21, is taken up with the comparison between Adam and Christ. And when Paul says, so death spread to all men because all men sinned, 
he is saying that through the sin of Adam, all men sinned. So you weren't there in the garden. I wasn't there in the garden. But Adam, in some way, represented us, represented all of humanity. And when he sinned, all of humanity sinned. You and I now are born with a sinful nature. Romans 5.18 says, Through the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Why is it important to understand that we are sinful by nature and not sinful after committing our first sinful action? Because some people would say that. They would say you're born innocent, and at some point, when you're old enough, you then sin. That's very different than what the Bible describes. It says, in Adam, before we were born, we all sinned. All of humanity is already found as guilty. We have already, in Adam, sinned. We don't sin because of a sin. We're not sinful because of a sin that we've committed at a certain age. The Bible just says we are born with this sinful nature. It's not what we do. It's who we are. Again, it's not what we do. It's who we are. Adam is the head of our race. And after and as the human father of our race, we have inherited his fallen nature. Just like, you know, genetically you inherit two arms, two legs, you know, maybe some don't. In general, you just have certain human characteristics and attributes that you receive because it's part of our genetic code. To some extent, sinful nature is part of our spiritual genetic code that's given to us by our father who had fallen, sinful Adam. So as a human father of our race, we have inherited his fallen nature. If this seems unfair, we remember the beautiful truth of Romans 5.18. Jesus becomes the head of a new race. Through his act of obedience, all who believe are justified in sharing Jesus' righteousness. So we receive blessings and righteousness based upon the actions and merits of another. So if we're sitting back thinking, wow, it's just not fair that I'm considered sinful because Adam represented me. If that's true, then it also shouldn't be fair that you and I can be considered holy, righteous, and just in God's sight because Jesus also stood in our place and represented us. So we've had a representative in two different situations. Adam represented us before God the Father in the garden, and he failed. But Jesus also, the second Adam, which is what he's called, represents the human race again, but lives a perfect life, dies on the cross, and pays the penalty for your wages of sin and my wages of sin. So now we can fall under our first father, Adam, or the second one who represented the race, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In both cases, we receive something that we didn't necessarily deserve. I received the sinful nature from Adam, but from Jesus, I can receive forgiveness, full adoption into the body of Christ. So it's not a matter of fair, because if you don't like the fact that you received the sinful nature from Adam, you probably also shouldn't be okay with receiving a righteous nature from Jesus himself. Both of those were not things that you've done. It was something done on your behalf. The question is, will you believe in Jesus or reject him as Lord and Savior? That's the issue that you should be most concerned about. Me as well. 1 Corinthians 1.18 is interesting. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So for those who are perishing, those who don't know Jesus, they look at the cross and they say, ah, How foolish that somebody would do that. For those who know Jesus and have been saved, we look at the cross and we say, 
the power of God on display. The imputation of sin leaves Jesus unrecognizable to the human heart. That's what 1 Corinthians 1.18 is telling us. One of the results of you and I having the sinful nature is that we, in the sinful nature, look at what Jesus did, and it doesn't even make sense. Unless God works in some way, unless God uses His Word and His people in some form or fashion, the cross does not become beautiful because from a sinful human point of view, the cross is foolishness. It's a stumbling block to those who don't believe. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 highlight the same reality. Now, these are, some, these are some hard verses to hear, but they describe everyone who has fallen like Adam, all those who have not believed in Jesus or before they believed in Jesus. It says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There are none who seek for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So the Bible goes on to say, there is no one based upon their own actions that can earn heaven or has become righteous by just working hard enough to do so. After the fall, there is no innate goodness within anyone. All of us have that sinful nature. Everything in us, everything about us is tainted by sin. Our most righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the presence of God and in comparison to His holiness. Our sinful nature leads to lives of sin. Our sinful nature doesn't just, it's not like vanilla, it doesn't just have zero effect on us. It puts all these urges and desires in us that we live out in a life of sin. Every action that we do falls short of God's holy standard. Why? Because His holy standard is His own holiness. Everything done with some level of selfishness, lawlessness, pride, doubt, or self-sufficiency also falls short. Without Christ, our sinful nature taints and influences every intention, every motivation, and every action and emotion. It just does. It taints everything. It's like that drop of food coloring you stick into white frosting. As you mix it, eventually it all turns green or red or blue. Everything is touched everything is tainted. The fall truly, fully broke us. Never try to make this seem like a manageable or fixable situation. We're never going to manage our sin away. We're never going to medicate our sin away. We are sinful, and that's what we are. Without Jesus, again, without Jesus, there is no hope of a single godly act or glimmer of faith. We need Jesus in our sinful state to reach in and to change us and to grow us. In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, it says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? I'm sorry. How will they preach unless they are sent just as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. So for people to come to know Christ in these couple verses, there's two things that are required. Feet, beautiful feet, and good news. A preacher, and that doesn't mean like someone who's on staff at a church, but just anyone who will share the gospel. 
and then we need the gospel slash the good news. So we need beautiful feet and good news. And God uses those two things to present his gospel to people who need it. Now, sometimes I think we overcomplicate this. We think, I'm not ready to share the gospel because I don't know enough. If you look back in the New Testament, Jesus would send his disciples on missions very early on, where even they were still trying to figure out everything about Jesus. So it's never too early to start having spiritual conversations with people in your life. If you get to a certain point where you can't answer a question, you just say, I don't know. So you're not required to know a certain amount. You're not required to maintain or attain some certain level of maturity. We are the beautiful feet, and the good news is always the good news. In our fallen state, we need someone to share the good news of Christ. God uses the means of his word spoken through his people to do so. The question is, what is stopping you? What is stopping me from taking this message to those who so desperately need it? We have to recognize a couple of things. One, sometimes fear makes our decisions rather than God's word helping make and influence our decisions. We sometimes get into a position where we just want to protect ourselves, protect our image, protect our relationships. We're afraid that if we share the gospel or have a spiritual conversation, we're going to be judged as being radical or pushy, or someone might not want to be around us anymore. They disconnect from us and we lose a relationship. We're afraid of those things. Again, that's fear-driven. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 talks about the fact that we're called to not fear man or the opinions of man. We fear God and we fear God alone. And it's this God and God alone who's called us and said, you take your, your feet and you go to those who need to hear. And when you do, you are blessed. Those feet are beautiful because the good news is such a wonderful, great thing that other people need to hear. So we need to respond to our fallen nature by going to people who need to hear and sharing that gospel with them. On the next page, there's a really good quote that says, uh, there is beauty and blessing in sharing the gospel. If your life ever feels gray, lacking purpose or unfruitful, do not forget that you were made to be a vessel of God's great news. To not live out our purpose is to miss out on the opportunity for joy and blessing. One more point here when it comes to being made in the image of God that's really interesting. We, when we sinned, when Adam fell in the garden, one question is, did we lose the fact that we were made in the image of God? Are we no longer bearing the image of God? Are we still image bearers of God? So the answer is, we're broken, and we don't fully represent that original image of God, but yet we still reflect some image of God. How do we know that? In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it basically says that if you, you know, shed the blood of another, your blood will be shed. Why? because they're made in the image of God. So even in chapter 9 of Genesis, people who are sinful are still described as being image bearers of God. And because of that, they have some level of value and dignity, even in their depraved and sinful state. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says clearly that God desires all to come to salvation. He wants to save them from perishing. So even in our brokenness and our sin, God still incredibly loves each and every person. So regardless of another person's spiritual state, Christians are called to love them because they matter to God. We still have elements of that nature, of that image that God gave us. We're still emotional, we're still rational, we're still moral, uh, we're still spiritual beings. 
and Jesus transforms his children over time to look more and more like him in his Christ-likeness. So even though we've lost components of God's image, in many ways, this process of being transformed by Jesus after we believe is kind of restoring that image of God back in us the way he originally designed us to be. The last quote, and we'll end here, says this by Francis Schaeffer. By the fall, man has not lost his being as a human being. He has not lost those things which he intrinsically is as a man. He has not become an animal or a machine. And as I look out over the human race and see the lost separated from God, separated from from themselves, separate from other people, separated from nature, they are still people. Man still has tremendous value because the Lord says so. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Let's next time plan on talking about how sin has broken our relationship with one another and then even relationships with ourselves. Sin has even gone into our own world and made it very hard to look at ourselves in the way God has seen us and sees us and treats us. So I look forward to that conversation as well. We'll see you next time.